Hello and welcome to Amateur Radio Topics. I'm Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey. And in this episode, just mainly like to talk about CQ Worldwide, a lead up to it, band conditions, that sort of thing. Um, my preparation for CQ Worldwide was somewhat disrupted with an antenna problem. I had a winch cable uh, break on one of the telescopic towers. So that basically changed the, uh, the options for me um, leading up to the contest. Uh, I didn't have, really have an HF beam. I was looking at doing maybe a single lot, um, 40 metres or single lot, single band somewhere else. But um, in the end, I decided to rebuild another antenna on the second tower I have. Um, the antenna with the winch cable failure, that's going to have to wait until I can actually do some welding in situ, which for here in Western Australia, that's a job for winter. Can't really get out there and uh, do anything in the summer months. So I have a few, um, few issues there to sort out with the tower sections, but it's not insurmountable. Um, some welding and some new tubing, and um, it'll be right to go again and uh, revisit the, uh, the winch cable. <laughs> These things happen. So uh, essentially, um, I decided to rebuild another antenna onto the second tower, but I didn't have really a great deal of time to do it. I had probably um, a bit over a week, and the other thing that was a slight problem is we had sort of a week of... 39, 40 degrees centigrade maximum temperatures. So not ideal for working outside. Some very early starts, trying to beat the sun. Um, and um, I couldn't really, I couldn't really, for various reasons, I couldn't really put the HF beam um, back up onto the other tower. The, the beam had got damaged when the, the winch cable broke on the first tower. So I had to think of something else, something that was going to give me some gain and be directional on the HF bands to be fairly competitive. So I've had some success with an antenna which is um, loosely called an X-beam. Um, so it's two, um, it's four wires and it comprises of a driven element and a, a director. And each um, section of, of, of two wires can be selected either as a driven element or a director with relay switching. So effectively, it's, it looks like a cross, looks like an X. You can switch it in four directions. It's got some gain. It's got some front to back. It's got fairly good front to side. And I use one on 40 metres, and it works quite well on 40. It's probably not as good as a you know, full-size three-element beam 100 feet, but it's okay. It's, um, it's quite a competitive antenna on 40 metres. So I've been using that for a number of years, and it's sort of useful because it will sit under a, a beam or, or whatever and um, not really have to, um, it doesn't take up too much real estate. And it can be rotated, of course, electronically with the um, switching of the relays, which is quite useful, nice and quick. So I had a look at, I modelled that up on um, NEC, and I had a look at how that would be for the HF bands. And it, it, look, it's pretty good for 2015 and 10, but it's probably not as good as the, the spider beam I had, which was three elements on 20, three elements on 15, and, and four elements on 10 at about um, 24 metres high. That's a fairly good antenna. So the, the two-element X-beam didn't really stack up in that regard. It was just a bit short on gain, and um, probably um, angle of radiation wasn't as low as what I'd like it to be. So I had an idea about phasing um, or stacking two X-beams, one above the other. So I modelled that on NEC, and it looked pretty good. Um, and eventually 
um, I thought, well, I've, I've got I've got limited time here. This is probably an antenna I can build inside um, a week or so and get it onto the tower and get it all sorted. Um, and um, the figures on NEC look good. I mean, by stacking the two X-beams, one on top of the other, it gets rid of a lot of the high-angle radiation and leaves you with a, a nice um, front lobe, which is... Um, uh, it is low. I mean, on on ten meters, uh, the X beam with the with the top X with the top antenna at around about uh, twenty four meters. Uh, the angle of radiation is about five degrees uh, maximum. So, and the gain was pretty good. It was about thirteen dBi, which is comparable with the spider beam. And I get to switch in four directions um, at a, f- a flick of a switch from the um, from the shack without having to use a rotator. So. From a contest perspective, that's actually quite useful because the the rotator gets a real workout in the contest, and you inevitably end up, you know, working stations off the back of the beam and that sort of thing. And you think, well, I really need to turn the beam, and because it doesn't happen. So, yeah, so the, the, all of that looked good, but I wanted to do obviously an X beam for twenty, an X beam for fifteen, and an X beam for ten, and so we'd stack in two over two over two or two over two. <laughs> um, I end up with six antennas. Um, it's a lot of wire and it's a lot of um, a lot of sort of configuration to try and get it right so after doing a little bit of research on this I decided to use um, 50 ohm feeders to each of the um, antennas I needed to build six switch box, switch, six switch boxes it's not so easy to say and um, I did that got some relays built those boxes it was all fine and then I needed uh, to feed each element with, uh, or each pair of elements with exactly the same length of um, 50 ohm coax, which um, in my case I, I was able to do um, enough coax here to do that, use the, a, a low loss uh, RG213 type coax, um, in order that I could get those coax feeds down to the bottom of the, bottom of the, the, the tower. So... Um, once you're at the bottom of the tower, then both of those feed into um, um, a, a, T, a T-junction. And then from the T-junction, um, I've got... Um, uh, actually, that's not quite correct. When they get to the bottom of the tower, they both feed into a 75-ohm quarter-wave um, matching section. So the 75-ohm quarter-wave matching section is quite important because the feed point, if I just join the 250-ohm coaxes together... I end up with um, halving the impedance that the um, uh, the transmitter is going to see, so I end up probably a two to one SWR, which is not ideal. By going into a quarter wave of seventy five ohm matching section, um, that fixes that, and I end up with a, a nice um, fifty ohm match at the end of the coax. So it's quite important. So yes, first of all, the fifty ohm goes into seventy five ohm quarter wave matching section, and then that goes into a T section, and then from the T section onwards, it's fifty ohms all the way back to the shack. So that all worked out well. Um, managed to um, get all the switch boxes uh, connected up. Um, mounted everything on the tower. Um, so I had the top, um, the top three beams, 2015 and 10, up at around about 24 metres. And then the, um, I had a 15 and 10, um, uh, another, another two beams at 15 and 10 lower down, which were obviously stacked. And they were down at, um, let me see, probably about um, 18 metres, so a bit of of space there. And then at the 12 metre level, I had the 20 metre beam. 
So um, three beams at the top, and then I had the um, the other beam spaced out underneath. Now the distance when you're trying to phase these antennas up is quite interesting when you model it on NEC because it's not that critical. You know, you need at least um, somewhere between half a wavelength and a wavelength um, distance between the beams. The problem that you've got is that there is mutual um, interference between or mutual interaction between the beams anyway and then obviously you're, you're phasing up as well so the idea is you're trying to get 3 dBs maximum gain by phasing these up now I don't really think in the real world that's probably practical it looks practical in NEC you can probably configure it and get your 3 dBs but in the real world it's probably going to be slightly less than that but the, the big plus on all the radiation patterns was that you pretty well completely lose all the high angle radiation it all gets squeezed out into low-angle radiation, which obviously, if you're living in VK6 and you're trying to run a contest, that's exactly what you need because just about every QSO that I make in CQ Worldwide or any other contest for that matter is a DX QSO. I mean, there's, there's a few QSOs with VKs or whatever, but in CQ Worldwide, they count for nothing uh, other than a multiplier score. So you really need a DX antenna. It's no good having an antenna that's got high-angle radiation. It's really not going to do you much good. Not on 2015 and 10 anyway, and not if you want to be competitive. Anyway, I uh, managed to get all this rigged up. Um, there's a lot of wire, as I say, going everywhere. I had a spreader sec- um, system set up at the top to try and manage the wires for the three top beams, and the lower beams are just spaced out the, the control boxes um, slightly. I had them on the, the top of each in, um, telescopic section so that um, I could try and um, just manage those wires. Um, probably underestimated how many how much wire and rope and whatever that, that you end up having to manage but the antennas or the towers got guy ropes on it as well etc but anyway worked hard on that during the week um got to the uh, friday the day before the contest and the antenna still wasn't up it still wasn't quite ready um my wife julie uh, came out and gave me a hand that day it was 39 degrees centigrade maximum it was a pretty horrible day we worked all day on it um it wasn't fun at all trying to get this antenna up, but um, kind of reverted in the end to doing things in what I would term field day spec. In other words, if it's good enough for field day, well, it's good enough for the contest, then it's, it, that's how it's going to be, uh, with the idea that, you know, if this whole thing works, then I can always take it down and, and uh, tidy it up a bit and make it into something that's a bit more permanent. So it's a bit of a, a, bit of a test. I, 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 you know, I haven't seen any other documented publications around showing people trying to stack two X beams or anything of that nature. But So it's a little bit unusual, but I had an idea that it it may just work out okay. So uh, we worked hard all that day. I think I finished stringing out wires and getting antennas sorted just as it was getting dark. Um, I finished off all the cabling and the routing of the switch box um, cabling and the coax and whatever in the dark, Um, probably by about 11 o'clock that night. I was pretty well done. I thought, yeah, I've got all this ready. I can, can, I can start a contest in nine hours' time. <laughs> so it's cutting things a bit fine for CQ Worldwide. My aim was to do single all-band, as I normally do in CQ Worldwide. So um, did a quick test on the bands with the, with the, with the, with the stacked antennas, flick around, got, had front to back, had seemed to have some gain, uh, certainly good front to side on all three antennas. Um, so I thought, yeah, this is promising. I had a good match. The, the match was under under one point five to one on on all three bands in all directions. So it's just it's great. Really happy with all of that. 
checked out the 40 metre antenna that I also had on the same tower, um, a 40 metre X-beam, which was um, um, probably around about 22 metres high. It was between the two two sets of stacks for the HF uh, beams. And 40 metres was fine. That all seemed good. Did a had a um, slight adjustment in the direction of the 40 metre X-beam and the and the X-beam for the HF bands just offset those slightly to try and counteract any interaction. Again, I modelled that on NEC, and that seemed to be the way to sort of get around it. Otherwise, the 40-metre beam seems to upset 15 metres too much. So a lot of wire up there, and also above that, I had an 80-metre dipole and a 160-metre dipole um, up at around about 29 metres, close to 100 feet. So everything was good. Everything was good. And then I went through and I checked all the, the, the antennas. I thought I'd better just run a final check, make sure everything sounds good. Get to idea 160 metres, nothing, absolutely nothing. I thought, oh, this is no good. So I figured I've got some sort of problem with the feeder or whatever. Get out there with the torch. This is getting close to midnight by now. And um, had a bit of a look around. Couldn't really find anything. Couldn't find any dodgy connectors, anything like that. Um, replace the coax run back into the shack from the 160-80 metre antenna um, because I had a connector on the ground for that so I could do that, I could just replace that section and nothing, zero on AD160 so um, couldn't really see any way around that around about midnight I thought well, I can't get the tower down I can't really do anything with that I haven't got enough time left before the, end, before the contest actually starts so I'm going to go and get some sleep and think about it and do something in the morning. So I got up and decided, well, that's it. The, the, I can't do single op all band. Um, and got out there at first light, had a bit of a look and um, did a few tests, um, got the, the um, rig expert antenna analyzer on it. And no, I just had a complete open circuit on the 80 and 160 meter dipole, which were on the same feed line. The, the, the feed line runs up the tower and services both of those dipoles. So um, by this stage, the contest had already started. You know, it was already um, underway, so I didn't have a, didn't really have an option to do an HF band. Um, and I thought, well, I might just go and have a bit of a play around with the with the new HF antenna and just see how it works. Um, went off and had a coffee, <laughs> came back and uh, thought, well, what I might do is just get a bit of rest because it had been a pretty hectic week. It had been a crazy week trying to get this antenna up and a very big. The last day on the Friday, get a bit of rest, and then do 40 metres single band. Go back and do 40 metres single band, which for me here in WA, that starts at around about sort of like um, four, maybe five o'clock in the afternoon, a couple of hours before uh, sunset. And uh, I've done 40 metres single band before quite a few years ago, and it's not a bad uh, not a bad uh, contest to, to do, or not a bad band to choose for the CQ Worldwide, plenty of activity. And the 40 metre X-beam is quite a good antenna. So that's what I decided to do. Forgot about all the other stuff, forgot about the HF bands, just got on with it. And um, 40 minutes was, was quite good. I, I mean, I didn't expect too much for 40 minutes at this stage of the sunspot cycle. We've got high solar index, we've got high, you know, I think we had a pretty high A index. There was a disturbance over the weekend as well. Um, but 40 minutes was okay. The, the band openings weren't as long as they were when I've done 40 meters in low sunspot numbers. Um, in other words, you know, it, the band didn't open up as early and it was, it was, once the sun came up in the morning, it was, it was after about an hour, it was done, but it was okay. I had a bit of fun. I think on the, um, uh, I can't remember quite what I got to on the first, um, um, the first day it might've been, uh, maybe 1200 QSOs, I think after, after the first 24 hours. And, um, of course, you know, you can, it's not as, as, it's not as, 
tough as doing single op all band, so I was able to get a bit of sleep. And then second day in, uh, it's always going to be a bit slower, but it's not as slow as you might think because 40 minutes is is one of those sorts of bands where on the first first 24 hours, obviously you work, you work a lot of the biggest signals, biggest stations and whatever, and all the small stuff just really doesn't get through, you know, the, the next level down or the third level down of, of station strength. I had, um, I've got two beverages as well that were, were I was using on 40 minutes. I used those the whole time for the whole contest. I didn't listen at all on the transmit antenna. The beverages were fantastic, um, really um, make a huge difference um, to trying to work a, a low band during a contest. So, um, yeah, second second night in was, was sort of going okay. Um, the, the rates weren't as high as the first night, but there was picking up quite a bit of stuff. Got to around about 1,500 Zulu, um, had about 1,500 QSOs at that point, which is not too bad. I was probably heading for maybe, you know, 2,000 QSOs, maybe 2,100, something like that. So that's okay for this stage of the sunspot cycle, I thought. And we had a, a local lightning storm come through, which um, was very close. It's up in the hills here and um, pretty uh, loud thunder and lots of lightning. And I thought, well, this is not great. I've got this... Uh, 24 metre t- or 29 metre tower up there um, covered in wire <laughs> and normally if there's lightning if, it's, if it gets pretty close I just disconnect everything and just wait so I disconnected the the, the, the feeder and, and just waited and um, and waited and a couple of hours later the lightning was still rolling through and looked at the lightning map and the forecast and whatever and it looked like the, um, these, these lightning storms these local localised lightning storms were sort of rolling through all night so this is just not good at all didn't really feel confident about getting on there. It wasn't really worth the risk um, under the circumstances of trying to um, continue on. So I waited a bit more and um, then eventually I fell asleep um, and um, I woke up um, probably around about five o'clock in the morning, which is um, close to uh, sunrise here. 40 metres is pretty well done. So <laughs> that was the end of my contest. Um, I had to finish up early, unfortunately. But... Um, it, it, it probably wasn't worth taking the risk. I've worked through some lightning storms before that have got pretty close and probably um, uh, risked it a bit, but um, in this circumstance, the, the storms were, were, were quite, um, quite well, they're very close and, uh, and it's just not, um, it is, just isn't worth it in terms of trying to um, get a slightly higher score in the contest. So yeah, I finished up with about 1,500 QSOs. I think I had uh, um, about 90, 90-something countries, 30-odd zones, um, so not a bad effort on 40s, quite, it was quite fun, I really quite enjoyed it, um, and I've since taken the tower down, um, the, um, taking the tower down, I'm going to rebuild um, some aspects of this antenna, um, but before I did that, I had about three or four days um, before I took the tower down, and I went on 2015 and 10, just experimented a bit with what this antenna would actually do. Uh, cranked the power back to one watt and um, successfully worked into on all three bands successfully worked into Europe with with just one watt of CW uh, with that antenna so that's quite a good guide that it's probably working okay uh, the front to back on all three bands was pretty good it was probably the best on I think 10 minutes had the best front to back um, but it was good on the other bands you know it was the front to back generally speaking was somewhere around you know, depending on 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 the signal path and um and the band, it was somewhere between um, 20 and, and 25 dBs on all three bands. 
Um, the interesting thing about it was that if th there was a relatively local signal, like it was a VK signal, for example, and that wasn't so high angle, um, the beam didn't really show much front to back at all. The front to back was clearly shown on um, the long distance, the long haul um, stations, which is what is completely consistent with the modelling. So I had a, an interesting few days just testing it out, left it out for three or four days, ran some tests, thought, yep, yeah, this is probably going to work okay um, from the point of view of if I can work stations in Europe on one watt and quite easily working them on one watt as well. It wasn't too much of a struggling in most instances um, on, on 2015 and 10, then it's, this could be a good antenna. So whilst I'm waiting to fix the second tower, I will probably put this antenna back up. I'm going to fix a few things about it. I'm going to have a better feeder sorry, a better spreader system at the top of the tower so that the, t the top X beam is completely self-contained. It doesn't have wires coming down into the, you know, down, down to the ground they've got to manage and that the lower, um, the lower beams, um, the lower three beams, I can manage the wires from those okay. Um, tidy, tidy a few things up with it. Um, but it all worked well. It worked well in, the modelling was good. Um, the construction was tricky, but it worked. And the end result um, was was probably what I expected. So, you know, a two over two X beam. It's um, and it, and it looked the modelling was very consistent with what I had previously for the spider beam, especially on ten meters. Ten meters was four elements on the spider beam, and the modelling on the um, the ten meter X or the two over two ten meter X beam, very consistent with that. So. If I can achieve that and it's switchable in four directions um, automatically from the shack, then for me in a contest environment, it could be a better option. It gets rid of the whole rotator issues that you can have and you get to be able to switch around very, very quickly from one direction to another. Had a bit of a look after the contest over, had a bit of a look at some of the scores that were posted, particularly single op, all band, uh, some fantastic scores. Uh, Dan N6MG looks like he may have broken the um, CQ Worldwide um, all-time record for single up all band unassisted uh, I haven't checked it for a few days yet but uh, you know I, I, I guess he's going he's to have to wait for the log check as he goes through all of that but he had a great score um, so yes yeah, certainly in terms of claim score he's broken the record um, Chris KL9A who's down at TI7W he had a fantastic score as well I think he may have had a couple of problems towards the end of the contest but he had a, a really good score so they were 1 and 2 uh, Dan was at ZF1A so, um, and some other great scores in there. Yeah, a lot of guys running uh, 2BS IQ um, seems to be where you, what you need to be doing and, and how you need to be able to manage the contest now with that, that mode. And it's, um, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, it's, um, it's a bit of a journey. It's not, not quite so easy. And it's a lot of practice. Had a, an interesting, I had an inter listened to an interesting pod, not podcast, um, a YouTube um, a video with Dan and Chris. Um, a couple of days ago and um, they mentioned the amount of practice they were doing and it's um, even the amount of practice they're doing and the style of practice they're doing is beyond a lot of a uh, lot of operators so um, th what they're what they're doing doesn't come easily and I'd, I'd, I think um, it takes its toll <laughs> but it's um, it's the only way you're going to get those sorts of scores and of course they've got the location it's um, probably very much different trying to operate CQ Worldwide from the Central Caribbean than it is maybe from some other areas of the world. VK6 is probably a good example. A lot of stuff we're doing here with CQ Worldwide, you're working a lot of guys that are down in the noise. It's very weak signal type propagation and and uh, it's not quite so easy to um, to get those um, to get those sort of conditions that you need 
to make it possible to do two BSIQ for forty eight hours or whatever, even if you could. So, um, but it's all it's all good stuff. It's all good progress, and um, it's interesting to um, to watch what these um, the top echelon of these operators can actually do, and it's pretty fantastic. Um, other news? Well, is there any other news at the moment? Probably not. That's probably about it from um, after the contest. Uh, the bands continue to be fairly good. Yeah, you know, the, 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 it's good solo numbers. It's good for people who are interested in the HF bands at the moment. Activity's good, and um, I guess we press on to um, yeah, on to Christmas and the New Year and see how things work out. But um, I think we've got another few years of of high solo activity. It's probably messed up eighty and one sixty a little bit before the contest. I was doing some stuff on 160 and there were some really good openings actually on 160 uh, prior to the contest um, there were some nights where the signals were just great you know S9 signals from the US but um, generally speaking the band openings were shorter and it was it was kind of interesting you could you know I could get on there on 160 of an evening and work maybe 10 or 15 uh, USA stations and maybe the odd JA um, and the signals were all weak they were all weak sort of like 559 max or you know, somewhere between three three nine and five five nine. Whereas, if you go back maybe three or four years, when the when the sunspot numbers are much lower, um, a lot of those openings would go on for longer, and a lot of the signals would be would be very strong during that opening. So, um, there's been a couple of good openings um, during uh, the sort of like the fall season through to to now, but a lot of the openings have been very it's been very much weak signal work. And um, you need good antennas and um, and good ears at both ends to do that. So that pretty well wraps up uh, CQ Worldwide and contest conditions and 160 metres. And um, I'll look forward to bringing you my next podcast. 73s for now from Kevin, VK6 Lima Whiskey, and see you in the next contest.